Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity, and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. So on today's episode of Improvement, we have on another special guest. His name is Paul Marlowe. He is a mental health advocate and the founder of Never Alone. Thank you for coming to the show, Paul. Money. Thank you for having me, my friend. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And so just to give the listeners a little bit more background information about you, could you tell them a little bit more about what you do? First of all, yeah, definitely. I'm coming from my beautiful bedroom right now. So that's why you can see everything on the door. So if you're watching visually, this is what you're getting. Uh, I am a mental health advocate is the word everyone knows. I kind of go against that, but I talk on mental health. I'm just kind of that guy uh, that you know that is willing to have a conversation about stress, anxiety, depression, and anything of the sorts. Um, where I've taken that is I've taken it to creating a brand called Never Alone that is focused on helping break the stigma per se, but helping taking mental health into the same realm as fitness health, as eating health. Um, I don't think those three things are different in any aspect or any way. I think society has made uh, mental health kind of be on its own little platform on the side. And I'm trying to bridge that gap. Okay. So I'm guessing that's what ties into what you're saying about moving away from being a quote unquote mental health advocate, because I think what you're trying to say is that whenever we talk about it as this separate thing, it makes it to where people don't really see how it goes into like the full picture. Is that kind of what you're implying? Yeah. Yeah. And like mental health advocates, man, really what it means is like a mental health advocate is someone just willing to speak openly like this, like that, like we're advocating for mental health. However, like, man, come on, you know, like mental health is just general health. Like it is working on yourself as personal growth and then within personal growth is like fitness health. And then within that is diet and eating health. Like it's all the same thing. I think what I think is like, we've put too much of an onus on an advocate. So per se, we talked about advocacy and I'm a mental health advocate. You don't feel like you are speaking up enough or doing that thing. You're like, well, I can't talk on mental health because I'm not an advocate. No, you can still talk. You can actually do more than me. Because then someone, your friend beside you and the friends around you and your group is like, oh yeah, you go through that stress too? I do also. And it's one of those, you know, companionship things. So I, I think mental health advocates are actually like making more of a barrier at times than a helping hand. That's an interesting perspective. And I can see how you'd get to that because, you know, due to the fact that that's an area that you're very familiar with, you're probably seeing these things much more often because I know one of the things like looking at my background, I guess there was really no such thing as advocates around uh, where I grew up and everything, because mm -hmm. that just wasn't really something that was talked about. It wasn't really until I got to college when I started to actually even learn about mental health and maybe some of the things I had gone through in my past and how it affected me. And so I guess you could say, you know, I haven't had as much experience like in the space mm -hmm. where you have, where it's a lot of people who acknowledge it. And so I can see how your perspective is kind of taking that turn. Okay. Well, you want to talk about a lot of time, man, I'm talking two and a half years. I've just only been in this two and a half years. So <laughs> I don't know how long. Like, or maybe like a little bit more concentrated, I guess you could say like, <laughs> let's go concentrated. Like, yeah. Since like you're doing work that's in that area, as yeah. opposed to like, let's say, you know, I read a book or something like that, or have a conversation yeah. due to the fact that it's your work and you're doing it pretty much every day. I would say that that concentration along even maybe even though it was a shorter bit of time makes it to where like your experience is a little bit more potent 
if that makes it add up a little bit better. It does. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, um, yeah. And let's be honest, like people don't hang around mental health advocates. Like when's mm-hmm. the last time you like hopped onto a page of a mental health advocates, like Instagram page, like, let me check out their recent journal entries. Like, no, but I'll check out like a hundred TikToks on someone's bicep curls or like their fashion style or like how they cook. So I think that is like, that is also leading into this advocacy and these mental health advocates. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird realm. We just don't connect with the normal person where I think we need to connect far more. So we need to change it. Hmm. I guess one thing that would be, that would be great, you know, as far as pushing that sort of cause, you know, of course that a advocate would be pushing for is if just more regular people, if, you know, more regular influencers just happen to have that as something that was also embedded in their content, just like anybody else that might talk about, let's say fitness or anything like that, that they post on their Instagram or Twitter or anything else. If you had more people that had strong mental health that are just doing these normal things, it might make it to where some of the stuff kind of sticks more and you don't have to kind of get into the mode like what you're talking about, where it kind of gets, I guess you could say tired out. You know that I, that is it. I do believe uh, we're really diving right into it right away. But no, that's <laughs> it, man. Like, I believe that's that is it. And I, but that's why I think the term advocate, like the text on page. I don't think it's helping. It's hindering because like these, some people don't want to have it in their page. So they can't talk about mental health advocacy or some people do want it. And then they're like, well, why is this person pretending to be an advocate when I know they're not an advocate? Like what is an advocate? No, I didn't take a course to become a mental health advocate. I did some schlub talking and someone decided to listen to me. And then you decided to put me on your podcast because of the stuff I've been doing. So yeah, we can move on, but that's my thought on advocacy. (laughs) Okay, I think I got it. And I think we said the word advocate or advocacy like maybe <laughs> like 50 times. We'll be ranking on SEO for sure on that one. Yeah, we might have to ban that one from like the rest of the podcast. <laughs> but uh, so, so kind of um, going to that a little bit more. Maybe, and this is kind of related to what we just talked about before we, we started the interview. We talked about that past interview that you listened to that I posted mm-hmm. where, um, you know, people will put out the buzzwords in the quotes, but we never do really see how it's actually applied to be able to make it stick and make it to where we can apply it to something. So let's mm-hmm. kind of apply that same thing to what we're talking about now. Okay. So like, let's say someone is looking at mental health content, talking about, mm-hmm. I don't know, here, here's like a, a buzz when like protecting your peace and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And you know, it sounds good. It sounds great. But what exactly does that mean? How exactly is that implemented? Like what's like a real life scenario where somebody would do that. And so if we could kind of uh, touch on that a little bit, could you talk about your experience with, let's say maybe something like that, so that way we could like give tangible examples? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So like in that realm, like there are, even though there aren't a lot of people talking in the area, there are some people, but there's not being heard as much. Like on Twitter, I don't know if you're on Twitter, like Instagram, like a high ranking, a high clickable, retweetable word as someone saying like i've been stressed out for like 10 days i can't stop crying and this is happening in my life which is i get it i feel for you those things happen that's a human thing we have however like they end it with retweet if you're like if you're with me on this if you feel these same sorrows and pains and that for me is what i see a lot of these people we don't want to mention their names using as their growth pattern 
as in putting content out there that is just strikes at the heart chords and the motions, which is 100% true, 100% true. And they do that. And I respect that. But they give no tangible thing. Like if you're feeling this way, try these five tips. Go to this blog to read this thing might inspire you. Maybe watch this YouTube video of someone eating healthy and that might change your habit. Like all these fitness things is like, you want bigger biceps? This is how you do it. Do you want to look fashionable? These are the clothes to wear. Are you stressed out from anxiety? Retweet this, because I am too. Kind of a disconnect, right? <laughs> Where is it? Like... Yeah, there isn't. It's so easy to get people be like, yeah, I'm with you on this one. Like, I feel the same way. And let me like share this because I feel that same way too. And you know what? For a lot of people, that is a positive thing because it makes them feel like they aren't alone. They're like, yeah, there's a lot of people out there feeling exact same way I am. I would just love to, and I plan to help change the narrative and shape people's mindsets. Like, yeah, you can, you know, relate to that person. You can do this. But at the same time, that person can give you something that will then, if you're stressed out, try these five techniques. Go out for a walk outside. Take 30 minutes away from your phone. Go and eat a, some healthy food, not some sugary food that gives you a sugar high, but then makes you crash. Um, stuff like that. Like, it's really simple stuff that you already do person already does but you just need to remind them that this is the thing that will probably help you the most at this time in your life you know something that um i guess you could say a conclusion i've come to seeing similar stuff like that online is that the way some of it kind of strikes me is that when those types of posts are made maybe and of course this isn't in all cases but it strikes me as some of these people may you know just want that attention I guess you could say to where people are acknowledging their issues, but at the same time, it's not important enough to them to actually solve the problem. I guess you could say that attention or like that recognition or maybe the retweets or the likes is just slightly more important than actually going and taking those steps that you were talking about to actually fix it. I feel like that's an issue for a lot of people. Yeah, well, I think we're talking about this day and age in our youth and social media and the, you know, the likes on Instagram and how good you feel. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think, you know, the same thing. Like if this podcast gets like, you know, a hundred more views than the last one, you're probably a little pep in your step. You're like feeling good. Like, okay, I got something. Mm -hmm. I found something. Let's make this new one. Um, and it's the same thing. But you think you did a lot of work to get this. When I put a tweet out or something like that, it takes like, you know, five seconds. I do something. They do it there is that same positive like oh other people oh oh this thing's going viral oh 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 like and that is their source of joy and so that probably for them and probably some people like they use that as like this is my mental health healer like let me get something trending and then i get that quick source of joy from this phone and that's my mental healer but really it's just a band-aid because mm -hmm. the thing is you have to just keep putting more stuff out there and more stuff out there and more stuff out there. And if it doesn't hit, then you get more depressed because you go through there. Um, that That's really how I see it. Now, I, I, I'm once again going to be like you and say like, this isn't everybody. You don't always do this, not happen. This doesn't happen. And this isn't people's focuses at times, but there are some people out there. And at the same time, like the stuff that actually has value, like, hey guys, try these five tips, do these things. That stuff doesn't get retweeted that stuff doesn't get the same hits. Like it's not as sexy. It's not as like fun as the other thing, which is really interesting. And you want to know what made me think of this the most? Like 
I did that. I was that guy once. So when I first started getting into this realm of speaking more about my mental health after my father's passing, I started using Twitter and I was on there and I, um, you know, was following other advocates and other people. And I'm like, okay, like, how do you grow? Like, it's really hard to grow on social media. It's like, what do I do to do these things? And I created this tweet that was like that. It had no meat to it. It gave no value. Uh, it was something that like, you feel like me are feeling down, da, 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 whatever. I tweeted out there, gets a couple of retweets. I wake up one morning, like a few days later, and like a thousand retweets. I'm like, yo, I pinned this thing to the top of my file. I'm like, yeah, I hit it. I hit it. I hit that one. That went hard. <laughs> and then I'm like, <laughs> I have like a thousand followers and I have like a thousand retweets on this one. And I pin it to the top of my page to make sure everyone sees it. And I'm there. I'm like, okay. And a couple of days, look, I'm like, look, I'm like, why is this pinned to the top of my page? What value is this giving me? What value is this giving anyone else? The only thing it's giving me is like this self pat on the back that I wrote something in 140 characters and then a hundred, hundred people liked it or a thousand people liked it. And I just wanted to boast that I did this. I'm like, there's nothing to this. There's absolutely nothing here of value to someone who's actually feeling the same way I was. So like, that was the moment where I'm like, yeah, we gotta do something about this. So it makes me think of something else. I can definitely see where you're coming from and how, uh, you know, having that rush and like the dopamine that comes from getting that acknowledgement, getting people to acknowledge what you had to say. It's, it definitely provides some value, at least like in the short term. <laughs> but um, one question I'd like to ask you, because this is something I feel like might be contributing to people doing similar things like that you know, consistently is, would you say that that was, um, that part of your mental health became embedded in your identity? Like maybe like whatever that struggle might've been, it was something that became like a core part of how you identified or how you saw yourself. The, sorry, the part of changing that or the part of using social media as my kind of crutch? Uh, the part where whatever it was that you said in there that you might've been struggling with or whatever issue yeah. it is that you might've had, would you say that that was something that became part of like how you identified. I would be honest with you, that thing I tweeted and went out, like I probably just saw someone else's and I felt somewhat the same way. And I just copied mm -hmm. it and I just changed up some couple words. Like I'm just really like, I don't remember exactly what it was. Right. But when anything, anything else that wants to go viral, you just kind of mimic someone else and do a little tweak and see if it hits. So right. no, I, I can't give you a heartfelt answer on that one. That was a pure business strategy move on my part. Okay, I got you. Because this is kind of along the lines of what I was thinking. This is something that I've noticed just from, you know, my casual browsing here and there. But something that I think is a very bad habit that a lot of people pick up on is whatever struggle it is that they might have, and it could be mental, like what we're talking about right now, like depression, anxiety, something like that, or it could be other struggles that somebody might have. It could be something societal, or something physically wrong with them or whatever. It seems like a lot of people will use that as like some sort of like, I don't know, like a quirk or like something that makes them like where they feel like unique or whatever. And they, it, it kind of seems as though they surround their whole like persona around hmm. that. That's kind of what I was getting at. And that can provide somebody incentive to not want to actually heal or, you know, make these changes because yeah. then they'd be changing to the core of who they, who they actually are. And they may not be thinking about it that deeply, but I mean, that's kind of what it is at the end of the day. Does that more so make sense? 
wording it no, that, that makes sense that that wasn't me i i definitely didn't do that and to go on with like what you're saying i think is totally correct um i've stuck away from that because the thing is if i can't grow as a person and a human and i can't mentally and i can't change and i can't get out of anxiety and depression more then how am i really advocating and helping people mm -hmm. um that is actually something that i've come to uh i've had some time struggling with um when let's say about a year ago i started like okay things are getting better i'm moving ahead like never alone has been never alone has been my kind of like orbit up as it gets better i feel better like it's just something that i've been really like my baby i'm working on i mean, honestly man like this past 2021 like the only time some serious like depression hit me was like during christmas so i went like 12 months with like nothing and this was like before that the last two years it was like the year before was every month i'd have a couple two or three hits before that it was like every week multiple depression and that's where i was like i was that guy um when i started getting out of it last year i'm like how what am i doing to first of all relate to these people still and like how am i how am i that guy that's able to talk and have that value to them still when i'm not feeling that same way um but i do believe i set myself up to succeed because this whole time I've been creating Never Alone and just speaking, I've been talking about ways to get better and doing things. So I haven't been resting my laurels on that one thing that made me stand out as, you know, mentally something going on, like you said, because I was adding all these other avenues and these areas that were helping me and I thought would help others. So now I'm in a place, a pretty damn good place. And I don't feel bad because I don't, I'm not resting on that same thing, which I used to talk about but I have all these other avenues and platforms. And because of everything I've done and have out there, people are like, even though you're feeling good, I can still believe that you went through the hard times and you found your way out because I can see it on your past stuff, your past social, your past interviews, just in your bio and your write-up. And that gives me enough belief that you are a expert, professional, whatever it may be in this, in this instance, not professional, I went to school, but as a person, I can look up to you and learn from you um that's just taking your thing a little bit farther but i do think what you're saying is well out of what advocates do and that's why they stay in the same range like people that is fit in one niche for advocacy or whatever it may be like just focusing on one thing um let's pick um I don't know, like healing crystals, like whatever, like there's a lot of stuff where people believe in that and they go throughout that is great. And I have some sort of articles on that, like, yeah, if it helps you and there's some stuff there and I've been around it when I did some therapy stuff, I'm like, it's a little woo woo for me. But at the same time, mm -hmm. I get kind of that connection. I can, I can see where you're getting at. But the thing is with people like that, when they really just dive down, you only touch so many people. You can only help a very small crew. And the thing is, if like you're helping that crew for five years or so, and you're like, I kind of want to grow and get out of this space. And you haven't spent the time talking about other areas in your mental health. You haven't spent time talking about sleep and other like working out and doing these things because you thought your community didn't want to hear that. And where are you going to go? You just got to stay in this hell. You got to be that person. And I think that is what hurts. Uh, a lot of people trying to make that value long term. You know, 
it makes me think of another podcast I used to listen to where, you know, for like the first few years, they had just really solid content just every single week. And I would tune in religiously. Like as soon as uh, they posted, I think at like 8 a.m. on Mondays, I'll be listening to it. But the thing is, they kind of got into like a similar dilemma to what you're talking about, where maybe the stuff about, let's say, financial literacy or about mental health, you know, since I guess that's the topic we're talking about or about fitness, maybe it gets this certain amount of views. Right. But, oh, this other stuff that we talk about, they may not be is value driven, more so entertainment driven. This is where we're getting all of our uh, traffic to. So, hey, even though we were doing this great stuff over here that was actually offering real value, let's go ahead and we can still do that. We may do that, you know, once a month and we'll do the other three episodes a month in this area. And so it kind of puts content creators or, you know, people who provide services kind of like what you do in a dilemma where it's like, you got to be a content creator, like no matter what you're doing, if you don't know how to create content and be that person, you can be a professional, anything sort of interrupt, but like, no matter what you're doing, if you don't want to create content, you don't have anyone to talk to. Right. But you're right. Yeah, definitely. But like the thing I'm getting at is that. Here, let me. I just spaced on what I was saying. <laughs> but, I apologize. I apologize. Uh, no, I it's all good. But yeah, the thing is, it kind of puts you in the limit where you have to ask yourself, am I going to, is my focus going to be to offer value? Because that's where I was getting my fulfillment from. Or is my focus just going to be to get as many, you know, numbers ran up as possible. And so it kind of puts you in a spot where you have to figure out what it is you're going to prioritize because, you know, those people that came to you for the real value, uh, they're going to eventually fall off to the wayside. If all you're doing is, I guess the, the high click stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, and you just really, with that, you transition just like kind of a concept and kind of insight of why I'm doing and where I'm going with this is like, yeah, I'm definitely speaking mental health and I want to, like, I'm really happy with what's happening and the people that I'm interacting with and that are learning and coming through with stuff. I feel most 99% of the stuff out there I'm giving is like valuable content and it's showing up by people sharing my stuff and, uh, university put me as their top three mental health, ad, um, websites for their teachers in 2021, like beside like government brands. I'm like, this is amazing. But the thing is, like, I look at it as a business, even though I'm an advocate, like the only way I can grow and really change and help people is by looking at it as a business. And if I am that mental health advocate of before the past who doesn't think anything about this business side of things of like content creation, getting views, giving like value, but finding a way to get views at the same time. And like what you were just talking about then, and I'm going to fail. Like, I'll just be doing this for like five years for the hell of it. And then realize like, I can't pay my bills and I can't reach more people because I haven't found out a way to do this that is value driven, but also working with 2021 and 2022 and how people use their phones and how they use social media. So like, yeah, this is, that's an area that you have to think of. And I think the mental health realm has either been too afraid to think of how to think treating it like a business because they're afraid of making money off people that are depressed or something has happened in the past and there's like we're not using the same thing as like you know personal trainers like how many accounts do you see people trying to make that buck but they're creating content that helps same with food same with everything else but we're not getting that same thing in the mental health realm 
that was an interesting point that you brought up too about people feeling bad about making money off of quote unquote people's poor mental health. And the way I look at it is like this. At the end of the day, everybody has to find some sort of way to offer, to offer value, to make a living, right? Whether that's going to be, I don't know, driving a truck, you know, going to an office job, whatever it is, but whatever value it is that you bring, that that's going to determine what your income is. And so if you're bringing a lot of value in that space, then I don't see how somebody could be guilty if they're being rewarded for that value that they're bringing, because even though you're getting paid and living off of it, it doesn't change the fact that you're changing people's lives. That's the way I look at it, at least. And the people that are in that, I guess, school of thought that you mentioned that say that it's bad to make money off this sort of thing. It's like, okay, someone's putting full-time hours into helping you and you don't want them to be able to live off of it. You want them to work 80 hours doing another job. And then on top of that, the 40 hours to help you. Why would they not just put all their time towards helping people like you so they can do like even bigger impact? That's at least the way that I look at it. No, that's the right way to look at it. I look at that way now too. But I remember when starting off, I was, you know, I thought about it. I worried a bit. Um, a man, be honest with you, like, here's an honest conversation. I worried at the start too of all this because I was a tall white guy that had done some modeling, was an athlete. And I'm like, I, why, I should not be the face of a mental health advocate right now. Like, I shouldn't be the one speaking up about this. There are other people that have their voice that should be heard um depending on their race sex or whatnot and i'm like i was like should i be out here should i do this like should i be driving something and what i've been doing is i've been driving it and me but i've been bringing people beside like giving them my platform my spot to have their voice and grow and like work with them and i'm, I'm really glad i did it but honestly i at times i thought like shit is this really do we need another white guy to be talking about this shit we need another white male to be leading something. I was like, no, we don't. But if I don't start and do something and no one else is, then how can I help change the conversation and narrative on that as well? So, so that's, like that's to, an honest conversation. I like to add two things to that, actually. Um, well, the first thing to touch on what you said about being, you know, model guy and the athlete, you know, I actually think that's perfect that you decide to get into this space because those are the type of people that, I guess you could say, quote unquote, normal people would see and think that he might not struggle with these same things because they think, oh, that guy has it all. He has the social status. You know, when you're an athlete, you're getting the women too. They would think, what exactly would this guy be struggling with? And so for you to be someone that steps into that role, it just opens up this type of content to a lot more people because even the people that are, I guess, similar to you, that would be athletes, you know, like captain of the team or something like that. To where, you know, since it's not expected for them to have that, no one would take them seriously. They see somebody like you and it helps them to be able to get whatever it is that they need in that in that instance. And then the second thing that I like to say is, you know, like that there is a lot of talk about kind of what you were saying, where people talk about, you know, white men in their voice and all that. And personally, I don't agree with it. You know, I don't like to you know, look at the color of people's skin or anything like that mm -hmm. and say, oh, too many of these people are, are talking and they don't need to have like a voice because the thing is, it kind of makes it to where you look at people as a monolith and flipping that back on me being black. That's something that we don't like when it happens to us, when people mm -hmm. view us as a monolith, thinking that we all think the same, 
all do the same things, all look the same too. You know, I've even heard some people say, and they give you like no room for like your individuality, you know, to where you can formulate your own thoughts and such. And so when people say yeah. things like that about white men, white men, this white men, that I kind of think of the same thing. And it just seems just as bad to me. And so when yeah. you say that, I see where you're coming from and that like, it's coming like with, you know, from a place of like positivity and like to contribute and help. But I think that definitely is something that should be said too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, yeah it's just it's especially like 2021 at the time like you know black Lives matter and everything and it totally i agree and it was at that time for me it was like shit like everyone that's messing up the world looks like me (laughs) like what the heck am i doing here i know i'm not the one and someone's got to change but it does like being someone to talk about openly about everything like that stuff a lot of these things come through your head in this journey to create something um, and this has been part of my journey and those have been part of my thoughts in my head. So uh, I'm glad to hear what you said on that. And yeah, no, I appreciate that. And that's just my take. Uh, and yeah. Of course, it might not be necessarily popular. You know, at least if you look at social media, it's probably not a popular take. But um, I guess that kind of just further proves my point that not everybody you know, that belongs to like a certain race or like a certain group is going to think the same way. And I think it just makes it to where it discourages a lot of people and really takes away from the growth and development of society as a whole whenever we just do that lazy thinking like that and put these labels on people and then say oh because you fit this stereotype or this like certain box since you meet these certain criteria your opinion is going to be this or that or your opinion should only be this valid in this area it just doesn't make sense to me personally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i agree i agree no definitely yeah, but um, to hop on a different topic, though. So something that I noticed about what you have on your website with um, your treatments and such is that you also mentioned... Like, Hold up. I, I don't do treatments. I'm not a professional. Right. So I know I mean, you meant something else, but I just want to make sure yeah. people don't think I'm, they're coming there for that. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But um, I saw I saw something about like microdosing like mushrooms or something oh, like yeah. that. And yeah. so just uh, full disclosure, I don't know anything about that. I don't know the science behind it. Uh, I don't know how any of it like, you know, functions into mental health, but I'm assuming that like, since that's something that you've done and like that you talk about on your website, you probably have more information. And so what I'd like to know is, could you kind of give me, you know, a quick run through of how you got into that, how it works and what people should know if that's a, a route that they choose? secondary full disclosure i don't actually know how it works inside my body i just know that it works so i do it uh, so let me go with my personal views on how i've done this how i got to this place and uh it all started with me listening to now i hate saying it joe rogan i think joe rogan in the past i enjoyed his podcast joe rogan now i don't enjoy at all of whatever he's doing so six years ago i listened to the man uh tim ferris was another person i was listening to and at this time i was trying to get a first blog going kind of you know get my own path and journey going stop working for someone else i was side hustling waking up at 5 a.m writing working before work and i'm like i need to focus more i want to get more into this i want to go through and they're like talked about microdosing psilocybin psychedelics and magic mushrooms like okay so that is where i started this journey um i started it there and i found out that microdosing magic mushrooms is essentially taking 100 
milligrams to 300 milligrams, you take your pick um, and ingesting them, eating them. So like hundred milligrams is like, what do you guys call them? Rockets? Like it's like one fifth of a rocket. Like it's small. Like think of like a raisin and you're eating like one fourth of that. Like it's not a big dose. It doesn't make you trip out or anything. Um, but that is what it is. So it's taking that, ingesting it, eating it. Um, the effects that happen from it usually kick in within 10 to 20 minutes or so, depending on how much food you have in your stomach and how you take it. You might take it in pill form or just straight. Uh, and how long it lasts for, generally between three to four hours. And what I found at that time for my work and just personal growth is I was able to zone in a bit more. So like working on the computer, I was able to get into that focus mode, you know, like editing something, doing something, I was able to get after it, boom, boom, boom. Um, had a bit more energy, kind of like you drank a cup of coffee or like a bunch of coffees in a row, but you don't have that bad caffeine, like hangover, headache and stuff like that throughout it, able to go through like that. And the ability to, think a bit more freely, open up, kind of think a bit more outside the box. Um, at least for me, I was able to get more ideas and do more things like that. So that's like, that was my first intro into microdosing. And I did it for like a year or two or so. Then my struggles came after a breakup that went bad. Uh, I had some PTSD symptoms, some anxiety. And then also at the same time, my father got Parkinson's disease and I watched him whittle away and pass away in a year to cancer. And that's where Never Alone started and everything. And that was like two years of hell. Like it was really like, man, I had no happiness in my life. I didn't smile probably once that time. You know, when you wake up sometimes like, oh, I feel good. Like I didn't feel that for three years. Like I felt nothing. Like you want to talk about like erection, erectile dysfunction, man, I'm 36. I was like 32 to 34 and like, I didn't get wood. Like I'd wake up in the morning, like no hard on, like, you know, good. That feels when you get that. You're like, Oh, I'm great today. Let's go. Matt. I didn't have that for two and a half years, day on and day out. Um, that's what a lot of people don't talk about mental health struggles. A lot of guys are too shy to talk about like that happens. I'm sure females too. So um, that was my life and it sucked. So I was like, I microdosed before I'm like, okay, let's see what this is. And so I started microdosing for the um, positive health effect, the, the mental health, the happiness effect. And what it did for me is on the down days would help me kind of like, say I'm level down days. I was down 10 notches. Maybe a microdose would take me up to like notch two or three instead. Like it would raise the bar a little bit. So I could just be a bit more active. Um, I feel like I could get through the day, do something, maybe do some work, definitely go for a workout. But I was like, I was, I was able to cope. I was able to handle it, hang up and deal with it. Um, on days where I felt okay, well then I would take it and I was able to like get above that bar. I was like, okay, now like, let's do some work. Let's get some stuff done so I can like get as much done as possible because I'm feeling good. So those down days, I don't lose as much of that motivation and everything like that. Um, so yeah, it was, microdosing was, is, and definitely was at that time like my kind of over-the-counter anxiety drug, however you want to say it, it brought a little sunshine into my life when I just had dark gray clouds the whole time. Um, and like, that's what I used it for with that. 
Um, currently, to be honest with you, I just microdosed before we hopped on the show. I got some chocolates. They're delicious. There's up here in Vancouver. It's like microdosing is pretty much in a gray area. Like it's wide open Canada at the moment. So there's these girls, they like make like nice chocolate and they mix it in. Like it's, it's amazing. Expensive as heck though. But, um, yeah, so I had like a hundred milligrams because I was exhausted from the earlier in the day, a bunch of work, woke up early, had a bad sleep, anxiety filled sleep. And I knew we had this coming up in an hour. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a little microdose, do a little blogging. I uh, had a protein shake. And to be honest with you, like, this conversation would not be the same if I didn't take it. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah, sometimes this is that, it's that great thing. Um, like anything else, you can misjudge your dose and take a bit too much. Mm-hmm. going to happen, man. Like, no matter what you say, you have, like, too much coffee, you put too much booze in that one drink, like, whatever it is. So you can't blame anyone. It's like, those people are like, oh, I had one time. That's your fault. You messed up. You took too much. Best way to start microdosing in my mind is like start with your 100 milligrams and do it like 7, 10, 14 times until you get comfortable taking it, until you get comfortable doing it. Don't go like, oh, I had one good one. Let's go up to three. You don't know how it's going to interact with you. You don't know how you're going to interact with it. Currently, like I could go take it and I go up to coffee shop. I could meet some friends. I could go work. I could do anything when I'm microdosing. When I started, it was more like, okay, let's just go for a walk, you know, just go for a hike, do this, do that. Don't put anything on my plate, just see how the day goes. And that's how I was testing it out and understanding how it worked my body, my brain. Uh, but yeah, now it's just, so to me, sometimes it's me, it's just like a cup of coffee. Hmm. Just have a middle of a cup of coffee in the middle of the day. Yeah, okay. microdosing. Okay. And so I guess the next question I have for you is what, what, what was it that, um, that pushed you to, do microdosing instead of let's say maybe an alternative like um like wellbutrin or like adderall good question man i've, I've always been a athlete fit healthy thinking my body is my temple um thinking i can fix anything if i eat well and i work out it's the same kind of mindset with this like i have nothing against those drugs i know they're very helpful for people and they have everything going on and they're there for a reason but me, just how I was growing up, my parents, you know, this society that I was in, I was like, no, I can, I can do something about this. I also had, I don't know, a hankering towards psychedelics. I don't know. Why. I haven't got like, I haven't taken microdose to like a high level. I've never done it. I just like, I don't know. I kind of like to live on the edge, like slightly on the edge. Right. So I'm like buying illegal drugs and taking a very small amount to help my mental health. Maybe that's kind of fighting the system, but at the same time, it's maybe helping the system. If I can speak up about this and no one's doing it, if I can be that voice that's kind of like, Hey guys, once it gets legal, I've been doing it this long here, let me help you. Yeah. That's where I kind of took that. I think. Okay. Because that was the first thing that popped in my mind when you started talking about the, uh, like the results it was giving you like the focus and helping with yeah. anxiety and all that I was, I was kind of thinking, but, um, I, I guess that adds up then. And, you know, some people, they might not want to take prescription drugs. You know, some people, you know, I guess will lean maybe more towards something like this just because it's, I guess, technically natural. So I guess, you know, it's just a matter of like, you know, different lifestyle, different preference, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the intended result is really all that matters. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I am going to say like, not going against anyone that takes any other drugs, but from what I now know of like, you know, what I know of business and, you know, big government and like these 
companies that create this stuff, like they're not going to make something for you. That's like, let's make it. So they just stop using it one day. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to become this guy. Like I don't fall into those far realms, but like, I still have a conversation. Like they're making something for me. There's probably a reason they're going to keep me around for it. So either I'm going to have to learn a way to wean off that, which is probably going to be hard. Or I find something else that might manage at the time that is more natural, organic. And then I also work on for my anxiety instead of my focus wasn't microdosing and it wasn't taking pills. My focus was eating well, working out, getting sleep, talking to a therapist. Like that's the stuff that was really making the change. I was doing all those things that I could personally inside. So microdosing was just a little, you know, a little capsule here, a little bit there, just on those days that I felt like I needed extra little boost. Um, so I definitely wasn't my anchor for helping my anxiety while some people use pills to be their anchor. My anchor for anxiety was bettering myself as a human physically, mentally, and using professionals to do that. Okay. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. And, you know, that point that you brought before about, you know, these being companies that are making these products, that's a fair point. At the end of the day, they are businesses. And so what's the best way that you can continue making money off of your product besides just making a good product, make it to where people can't stop using it. Right. And so it's a fair point to bring up. I don't think it's like getting into like, you know, the conspiracy theory type of stuff to like, you know, at least mention it. It's a possibility. I think that's just part of being someone that's an an open thinker, you know, and people even said similar stuff about, you know, of course, COVID and everything like with the the vaccine, (laughs) definitely not going to get into all that because I'm not the most educated on what, you know, people on, I guess, either side would say about that, but uh, it definitely does, you know, give you some some things to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, other than that, so I know you talked about being an athlete and being a model. And so it's definitely been a pretty interesting arc that you've taken you know, going from doing that type of stuff and getting into this. So to touch on something that's not mental health related, just to, uh, I guess, change up the conversation a little bit. How would you, uh, how would you describe your time as an athlete? What would you say were some of the um, the best experiences or moments or maybe some of the, the main perks that came from that time when you were in college and everything playing? Uh, I think you said you played basketball and what else? Basketball and baseball. Yeah. Man, biggest perk. I'm a Canadian kid. I'm up in Vancouver. Like a tall white boy from Canada. Uh, so when I went down south to play ball, like that was one of the biggest perks. Like I played baseball in Midland, Texas uh juco uh then i went to iowa and i wouldn't suggest anyone do that if you're not from iowa (laughs) (laughs) something else that was an experience uh but i ended up my last like two and a half years in shreveport louisiana and one of the best experiences of my life i played a year of baseball and then the basketball team picked me up for your basketball which i was like the first two sport player there so like First, first two sport player at that college and a Canadian kid, I'll take that. Um, but second of all, like man, my year of basketball was a lot of fun. Like I, here's me going off on this racing, like, man, where I grow up and live. Like I, I just know there's a bunch of white people and we have a lot of people from uh, Asia Pacific, but that's where a lot of communities are from. And I never like hung out with anyone of a different race. So like my basketball team, like I was a minority. And getting to know these guys that I never knew before, I'd never talked with before, and just not grouping everyone together, but I've never hung out with 
this is amazing people, some amazing people and definitely Southern people are amazing people from Louisiana. Um, and I've kept close, I've kept in touch with like majority of my basketball team, all my baseball. Um, I have a nothing, no love for after enough like that. The community that's there just didn't connect with me, but that basketball team I was part of, uh, we went to state and we went to nationals and like, I got to play and I got to like, I actually did decently well at the end. Like I had my role in the team. Um, it was one of the coolest things ever. Yeah, one of the coolest things ever. And I'll never forget that in the community and like the brothers I made from that. Yeah. And of all places like to move like to in the U S coming from Canada, you ended up in Louisiana. And so I'm mad. My hometown is maybe about like 30, 45 minutes from Louisiana border. So I can, I can only imagine. So I'm from Beaumont. So I'm from Beaumont. Okay. Yeah. So not too far. (laughs) I like, I, like I said, like, I can't like my growing up, my upbringing is so different than that. Uh, basketball team as soon as I show up one of the players like a prominent player like a figure on the team his mother passed away and she was like the mother of the team and I'd never been with a team that was like a mother like just like 14 players all the teams I played on like baseball you have 40 or 50 guys so like you don't have that you know one person in the middle and we went down to her funeral and we were like the pallbearers and we were all that stuff and I'm like okay this gonna be interesting and it was like we drove like an hour into the swamps and like I'd never been there we hadn't traveled there yet for the sports and like I was a pallbearer for and I went to like this we went to the small church and like I don't I'm not religious I don't go to church up in Canada so me going to a small church mainly uh black with like preachers that were gospel like it was just an experience for me that I was like man I see this show on tv I'm living this. This is amazing. Uh, and everyone was so nice and welcoming to me. And like, it was, it was really one of the coolest experiences like that. And a bunch of other ones like that. Like I've ne- I would never have had that opportunity if I didn't go do what I did. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would, um, you know, be something that you would remember because that's something that's probably so different from like what your norm was. You know, it's pretty much what you're saying. And uh, honestly, you know, being someone that's, somewhat from the area uh i would just think that going to like the state of louisiana and and living there for like i think you said two years i mean like the food is good and like the music is good and like some of like the history and culture but just being honest and you know from visiting there and almost pretty much living in the state being that close to it in that whole area it's really just not a nice place to to live well, in there's some bad parts I, I, yeah, yeah yeah definitely no i agree definitely like more bozier side of thing i wasn't i didn't really catch on with all bozier shreveport bozier that side of the bridge um and yeah no it wasn't beautiful but there were a lot of things that enchanted me since i was lived up in the great night white north and i was in pacific northwest and like seattle so uh the look and feel of things i love heat um but yeah no you're right they're like it was the most gorgeous, outstanding city that I'd tell someone to go see just to see the city. That's for damn sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think you know the. I guess the main thing, like in that area, that I guess would attract people would maybe be New Orleans, and then you know from there, you pretty much have to drive to Houston to like find anything else. Yeah. But Dallas, yeah. yeah, that's way way up north in in Texas. So okay, so yeah, Houston was closer than okay. yeah. So okay. Houston is maybe like. Uh, I might be wrong on this, but 
So I thought Houston was up, but I believe you. I, I may be wrong. Who cares? It's, I it's, it's pretty much, you know, down like at the bottom, like Houston's not really close to, to Dallas. Dallas is maybe like, uh, if I'm correct, I should notice I live in the state. It's like, <laughs> it's like maybe like three, four hours, maybe four, I think like four hours away. That's right. Well, to be honest with like you, that. Louisiana was much more better than Alabama. When we went to Alabama, that was a real experience for me. That was really, something I, oh yeah, that was backward as backward as possible from what I grew up with. It was cool. I loved it, but it was something different. That's for sure. I bet. <laughs> well, I mean, that pretty much wraps, wraps up everything that uh, I thought of, you know, to ask you. And so for anybody that's like interested in finding some of your content or, or like checking out what you're doing, where could they find you? Definitely. You can find me myself um, on Instagram and Twitter at high tall Paul. And I'd love you guys to check out the website. We are never alone.co, not.com.co. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of information there, topics talking about therapy, depression, fitness, all levels. I'm really building it out, growing it up to hit a lot of aspects that I believe help mental health. And that does not just have to do with anxiety and stress. I just do your daily life of sleeping well, setting routines, and uh, taking care of your brain and your body. So check it out and always message me if you want. All right, then. Well, hey, thanks for coming on to the show. I appreciate it, Paul. Money. Thank you so much, man. Great chat. All right. Thank you.